0: a character building and investing in lives and trying to change or break bad habits in people's lives Art, Yes. And I think So I think that when I look at my life and things that we try to do, it was just trying to uh, make people grow people, allow people to dream dreams that they didn't think was possible and achieve things that they didn't even think were, were even in their, in their mindset. I think one of the things that a coach does is push people to the levels where um, they're going to accomplish greater things than they even thought they could
1: Ooh, and yeah.
0: behind a coach that does that then, then you can look back and say you know what when I said I recruited kids and how good will you be coach I said I'll let you know about 15 years because mm. that's when you'll see uh, your, your thumbprint on their lives <laughs>
2: welcome to weary dads i'm your host bj weary with my co-host
1: dad and that's me second fiddle
2: <laughs> we're we're welcome to uh have uh mike lightfoot um several time champion i uh, coach go yeah, ahead i got coach it. weary tell us about uh it.
1: mike won a number of NAIA championships as well as a number of n championships uh when he was the head coach at bethel um we're gonna have him give his more biography better than that there's that than those things. And by the way, those things are pretty amazing. Uh and I would say this. It's Adolf Rupp. Mike was the first guy to three, four five hundred wins. Only guy quicker was Adolf Rupp. Is that correct, Mike?
0: Uh yeah. That well that's true.
1: Wikipedia page. I mean that's you <laughs> yeah, can't, yeah, well, then, when it's that's Wikipedia, true. it's like it, it, it's, it's true. Like
0: Wikipedia so, is true. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. It but is better
1: true. than that, and I'm gonna say this. Mike
2: the Wikipedia we, page created by his wife.
0: Okay. No. Yep.
1: <laughs> Jackie could not have done that. I
0: don't know uh, if I know what that is, but that sounds yeah, good. Okay,
1: <laughs> so this is the best thing about Mike. Mike loves God. Mike loves his wife. Mike loves his family. Mike is uh, a phenomenal regional director for our ministry, Nation of Coaches. But even better than that, um, is he loves God and he loves his friends. He's mm-hmm. a, a great friend. He's a personal friend of ours, uh, our family. He's unbelievable in our staff. He he gets it. He cares about people. And so Mike, uh, with that, I'm gonna let PJ kind of roll where you want to go with that, but that's Mike Lightfoot. PJ's going to ask you a question and you go in.
2: First of all, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah. And, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about winning those championships. Maybe some of your favorite stories, maybe things that, uh, stick out in your memory is important. Um, but just give, uh, our listeners, kind of that idea of who Mike Lightfoot is.
0: Wow, that's, uh I can say that hopefully pretty quickly. Uh grew up here in Indiana, which um, for many people identify basketball with. And so uh, growing up, uh, you know, I was just uh, entrenched in basketball. Uh, my dad was a very good high school player. My uncle was a very good high school player. Everybody in my family had an orange ball. And so I just grew up, being a part of that, and, uh, you know, as as I got older, then it becomes almost addictive that I, I love the game, i loved love to play it. Uh, when I got into junior high and high school, I, I found out that my identity is in things I was good at, and uh, basketball was one of those things that I found I was very good at, so I just put a lot of time and energy into it. Uh, I played with some for some amazing coaches, My high school coach uh, played for Purdue with Rick Mount. Steve Longfellow had a major impact on me even in the high school time where I thought I want to be like him. I want to coach high school basketball. Um, I want to impact lives like he did. And then that brought me to a, a realization that college came up. And uh, it was a great time for me. I ended up uh, my senior year uh, breaking in my foot hmm. and I lost a, a, a whole semester of my senior year. And that really was an awakening time for me spiritually, where I started realizing that basketball can't just be my identity. Uh, my identity has got to be more in my faith in Christ. But I was still stubborn and God had to uh, really hmm. work on me a little bit harder. Uh, I signed a, a, a scholarship to play at Tri-State University, a school in Indiana, and the very first day I broke my other foot, and uh, that got my attention. Where I finally was told that I probably wouldn't be to play anymore, mm. and uh, those things were over. And when when those things are stripped away from you as an eighteen-year-old, it gets you kind of thinking about what your life's really about and what the purpose is, and so. Um, It was pretty a low point where I finally had to surrender and say, God, you need to take over my life Mm. totally. Mm. And my identity no longer can just be in that orange sphere. Got to be in something more. And from that point on, God just did some amazing things. He led me to Bethel College, a college that had recruited me hard. uh, And uh, I ended up playing for an incredible coach, uh, Homer Drew. And uh, that is when the mission and my ministry mentality kind of grabbed hold of it. And I started to thinking that this could be a career that I could really be invested in, not just in the area of being a coach, but being a mentor and being a spiritual leader for the guys that I have impact in. So mm. that's uh, quickly kind of how I God directed me in that path. There were steps along the way, and there's trials and tribulations on the way. but. Uh, I was truly blessed to be impacted by great coaches who invested in me, not only on the court, but off the court. And so that was the model, PJ, that I started to try to follow and really try to uh, use as an example in my own personal life. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm going to jump in, PJ. Sure. First of all, uh, what some folks don't know is that we lived in Mishawaka, Indiana, for five years, and that's where Mike grew up, right? What, what mm-hmm. Did you play at Marion or Mishawaka
0: High School? I played at a school just – just south of there. Uh, it was Laville. Lavelle. Oh, oh, Lavelle. Yes.
1: Okay. Which I umpired baseball at for folks out there that are really concerned. Okay. So know that area well. So they Mike, still
0: talk about you, Pete, down there. Yeah, I
1: bet they do. They, they, they talked about me when I was doing it. Narrow um,
0: strike zone. They always said yeah. narrow strike zone.
1: But here's the cool thing. I interviewed Mike Lightfoot 20 years ago when I was writing a paper for my uh, master's at Northland which is is amazing itself. Didn't really even know who he was. Uh, got um, a really interesting, because um, the truth is for folks out there, you don't know this. Mike in Mishawaka Bethel basketball was on the third page of the paper. And what folks don't know about, this is the South Bend Tribune. The front page of the South Bend Tribune sports page will always be Notre Dame football. It doesn't yep. matter what time of year. Hey, it snowed yep. on the stadium, but the glass is hanging in there good. Yeah, that's going to be the story. The second page is going to be Notre, Notre Dame sports. The third page was always Bethel basketball. I've told people this a hundred times, and that's how I knew Mike Lightfoot was. And actually I was very probably uh, insecurely intimidated that I'm going to talk to this guy that he he's embarrassed when he said, but he was a, like a legend games were on TV there. Channel 46. Yeah. Okay. I only say that because what I want to also go is Mike learned a lot of things with those broken feet, but he also, mm. Mike could have coached D one. He would have Mm -hmm. gone with Homer and he um, would have been a phenomenal assistant, then head coach. And for those of you that are involved with college basketball, you need to understand this is sometimes the route people take because things occur. Mike, I know that's not your favorite story, but can you just share why God allowed you to stay at Bethel? What did he use for you to impact people? And you would have impacted people anywhere, but it was really, um, a life decision and he used it. Can you share that story?
0: Yeah, is a you know, a situation where I was on a fast track. Um, Coach Drew gave me two years to get my master's, and then he was going to go back into the D world D1 world. He was at LSU before he came to Bethel. Hmm. Uh, coach with Del Brown, a legend down there. And so that was my plan. I was going to get my degree, uh, my master's degree, so I can get that out of the way. And then I would really kind of follow the Two strings of uh of coach homer drew who ended up going to valparaiso university and the rest is history but during that time i had a tragic thing happen in my own personal life i lost my sister in a car wreck mm-hmm. and um, you know it was a plan that we had that she said i will stay close to home and i will be a good daughter to mom and dad and i'll help take care of them as they age and you need to follow your passion. You need mm. to be the best you can be and, and get out there in the in the college world and be successful and win a Division One national championship. Well, that all changed drastically when I found I had two uh, nieces now to help take care of my wife, and my mom, and everybody just pulled in and, mm. and tried to turn those uh, scars into stars. But it meant to me that I needed to be where I needed to be. And hmm. i didn't need to be at a bigger school; I needed to be where i I was called to be, and that led me to stay home and that led me to stay at Bethel College, which you look back on it it was God protecting me from myself hmm. uh, because I think that if I would have went that route, I could have got sucked up in the world of coaching at new one level and with my passion and with my drive. Um, I don't know where that would have taken me probably, uh, uh, probably would have ruined my marriage or it wouldn't have been as complete. And probably my sons would not have been able to, to experience the things that we did as a family that we wouldn't have been able to do at the D1 level. So, uh, through scars, scars, and, uh, it's been a blessing.
2: Really, really cool quote. Uh, as, as I listen to this, Obviously, our theme for the year is built to Last. And uh, starting with you, we love this idea of interviewing solid men who have achieved lasting contributions, right? And so even as you're talking about this, uh, this tragic moment in your life that you've taken scars and turned them into stars, What was important about that in order to focus on building something that mattered, something that lasted? Because it, it is amazing how many guys go on to be D1 coaches and they're there and then they're gone. And uh, it's not history in the way that Homer drew was history, right? Like these like m- mattering moments, you have these these flash in the pan kind mm-hmm. of experiences where someone's ego gets gratified. And then decades later, they're still talking about, the their six months as a, a D1 coach.
1: Yeah, I was about ready to break out into glory days. <laughs> but, but that's yeah. what people do. Go so, ahead. Yeah, so obviously easy.
2: this is a big moment and then feel free to expand on that further, yeah. how, how you continue to push on that but um, talk to us about how that helped you to create something that mattered because obviously you you had that that chance to go D1 and you chose to stay.
0: Yeah, I think it's it was- a job is what you're paid for. Your calling is what you're made for. Hmm. And for me, the made for was to try to invest in lives of people that I felt I could because, um, let's face it, the Division One rat race can really create a lot of problems. And uh, dealing with players that may not have the same ministry or mission ideas that you do. And they're not going to buy into maybe the things I'm trying to teach them and show them. So when when we're able to work with people that have the same mindset or at least understand where we're trying to go, rather than it it becomes less of an ego issue and maybe uh, to just a development and investment issue, then you can see where uh, your calling actually plants seeds and good things happen. So for me, PJ, I think one of the things that I kept looking at was um, the way investing in others uh, was really became a calling for me more than the coaching part. I think if you do those things right, investing in people's lives and trying to teach them and build character in their lives, the X's and O's and the wins and losses, they take care of themselves. Mm. There's nothing magical you don't just sprinkle some magic dust on something and say, wow, it's going to be a winning winning product. But if you invest in people's lives and you um, build character and find the right individuals that want to buy into what you're trying to teach, then the rest takes care of itself. There's nothing magical that we did in our program over 30 years other than invest in lives, love on guys, and try to, to build them up to be godly men.
1: I'm going to jump in there, Mike. Tell everybody, I've said this, what was your theme, I Will What, more than any other coach?
0: Yeah, we're going to outlove love everybody else. We're going out-love, and that's, mm. that was our theme. Uh, we just, I know I, I it's great to see other people now uh, adopting that theme, but that was our theme, uh, love wins. And uh, wow. we just felt like if we had love in our program, love for our teammates, you know, sometimes people get caught up in what's in it for me, Do I really love my teammates? Do I really want to make sure that I care about them even when they're idiots or they don't pass me the ball or they get more minutes than me? Am I going to love my teammates? And are my coaches invested in me? Do they really care about me as a person or do they just think me as number 15? And I think that's probably uh, a part of of, uh, building a character, building a program that uh, sometimes it's a little bit unique, but I think it's also so important to have. Uh, when, when love is at the center of that, then everything else kind of falls in place.
2: Great. Um, something <laughs> that uh, there's obviously that focus on people. There's obviously that focus on investing in men and helping them grow. And you attribute a lot of your success to that. Are there any uh, daily or weekly or perhaps even longer than that? habits and ritual or and or rituals that were an important part of building to last
0: yeah i think that uh waking up every morning and 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 spending time in prayer trying Mm. to figure out uh, what's next uh (laughs) uh, being an uh when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old people's lives uh then what's next is is very important but as i did that then i finally transitioned from what's next to what's now and I think that um, every day when I went to work I tried to focus on what's now what what is important in those people's lives that, that uh, I'm trying to impact my assistant coaches or my players to focus in on the now and uh, not look ahead to the product but just go through the process of building a daily building block of a strong foundation my my theme that all my players will will probably remember to the, their dying days is the wider the base, the higher the pyramid. Mm. And if we could build a, high, a a wide base in what we're doing uh, with those first guys that were part of my teams to everybody on my last team, we just felt like uh, the wider that base in my life, the more people I got involved, got, got invested in our program, the, the higher that pyramid would be and more success would be so you know we just talked a lot about every day is focus in on the now not not the product we we all wanted to win we all won national championships we love cutting down nets but in order to do that you got to focus in on the now Mm -hmm. and how we can make sure that we're putting out a product that's good every day
2: uh and let me just do a follow-up question here uh when you talk about uh the wider the base uh, can you give uh some examples of that?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of it. I think that as a coach, there's integral parts of that base. One everybody knows is you've got to have you gotta have a great staff that's part of that base that uh wants to make sure that they're gonna do everything they can to invest in lives. You just don't want one person doing that. You've got to I've gotta be able to delegate to my assistant coaches that they're gonna do a great job. The next thing is making sure their wives and our and their families are also mm. part of that base we don't want to run a, this train without everybody on the same on the same uh train track uh and so that investment is our wives so um we made a family affair for not just my family but for my assistants as well uh we loaded up those buses that we rode we took fan we took our our families with us when we we traveled on road trips and did those type wow. of things that was a very important. We wanted to make sure that that base was part of our players seeing what a family looks like, what a parent looks like, what a husband looks like, what building the Building to what's last. That. What's that?
1: You're building to last, man. That's yeah. good stuff. And,
0: and so we, you know, we talked a lot about uh, before practices that there's only been two or three of my players that have had a unfortunate divorce in their in their family. So we talked about the number one thing above our urinal in our locker room was huh. find the right mate. And, and that, you know, um, I forget about that from time to time, but my, my oldest son remembered a lot of those focus points. I yeah. guess we were trying to make sure they hit their target. But one of those things. <laughs> I'm we glad we that
1: wasn't make, in the urinal. You we know?
0: Play, yeah, we don't want to make blind shots. But finding the right mate, that was part of that wide base. And then finally yeah. the last part that I think so many coaches I deal with now are struggling with uh, as they try to build their program, is is my administration on board? Do I have mm. an athletic director, a president, uh, people that I, I talk to uh, all the time now are my former presidents and my former AD, my former uh, dean of students, those people that said, we believe in that base, we've seen the product of that base, and we want to make sure that that base continues. And so many times uh, coaches don't have that. And so they're yeah. trying to do things on their own, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. They don't feel that support. They're always looking over their shoulder. Am I going to please my Oof. AD? Am I pleasing my president? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? And uh, I had for most of my career a great base. Mm.
2: Yeah, a fan, absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Um, Coach, I know you have something to say.
1: Well, uh, the first one uh, is this. Mike, as, as we've heard this and so forth, and we're talking about building the last, which um, is so evident in everything you're saying. There are two, well, there really, I could go into 10 different directions because I know you so well and the things you've done, and I know how integral um, that Jackie has been to part of this, and, and, but we'll have her on some other time. Yep.
0: Um, we don't want to <laughs> give her too much hours when you do that.
1: Yeah. We don't want too much street cred there for Jackie, but this is the two areas that I want our listeners to hear about in regards to building the last you broached one, but then, uh, one I really want you to go into the one I want you to, the two I want you to dive into is first of all, can you dive in about your boys and how you were able to integrate Bethel basketball and what you were doing to build to last in your life, because you still have a phenomenal relationship with both boys. Um, you are how many steps from Robbie's house?
0: 85.
1: Eight. That's, folks, are you listening? 85 steps. Uh, Robbie wanted to be 86, but Jackie said, no, only 85. 85 steps from going over to your grandkids, your son and his uh, wife, who you have phenomenal relationships. With. Your other son is actually – working with Bryce drew a.k.a. that you all can hear me and that if you've been listening, there's a connection there. Right. Um, but tell how you invested in your boys while you worked 80 hours a week and then tell what God did through Bethel basketball. That's impacted high school basketball, which honestly is really careful. How I say this is you, Mike, you investing in your players, what God's done. So the two areas, your family, and then, um, obviously, uh, high school coaching?
0: Well, I think one of the things that I try to talk to coaches about today, now that I look back and reflect, is making sure that their family's not collateral damage. And so the question is, well, how do you do that? What can I do to make sure that my, uh, my family is not left behind? And uh, I think that we learned that uh, at an early age that we we're gonna follow uh, kind of a model and uh, it, as you look at the model that we followed was uh, the Drew model, that we we're going to make sure that our families stayed uh, invested and connected, and we we're not going to leave them behind. So with my boys, we did some things that may be a little bit different. We uh, we took a year and we just homeschooled and said uh, enough is enough. We're, we're chasing our tails. We're just going to eliminate. A lot of things and we're just going to spend time together as a family and looking back that's some of the the greatest memories oh, is man,
1: that's so good they, didn't,
0: they did not miss we were uh 38 and two that year that that um um we homeschooled and they did not miss they were at every game
1: did you win the and, national championship that year
0: yes we did and uh you why did not you a-
1: homeschool the rest of the time <laughs> like, <decide if> this <laughs>
0: That, that easy, was the secret that was the recipe was, but go ahead that was the secret, yeah, if we did it every year, we made have we, we our home' had been destroyed, but I think that you just got to invest in your families first and and I work with a lot of coaches now that didn't do that they're trying to claim climb a ladder mm. and uh, they leave their family behind and Jackie quickly recognized as as the wife that if she didn't get on board she's going to be off the board she had to get mm. on this train that was gone and uh, so we did it as a family and we modeled that after uh, the Drews and what they did and we saw the success and how it worked for them and so we we did that uh, with our family. so when there was a game there was a practice there was a bus trip the boys were always there and most of the time they weren't with me they were with them they were with the players but at yeah. the same time they got to and the players got to see our relationship and uh they just became one part of the family you know that the guys having that time over at my house or our guys our boys would stay in the dorm with their players and that was always uh, kind of a highlight for them so i think it's very important in any business in anything that you're doing you need to get your family involved in what's going on instead when when wives or husbands don't know what the other person is doing and, and the impact that they're making. And if they can understand your why and your purpose, Mm. I think they're more sensitive to saying, wow, I now understand why he's gone so much. When that Mm. player calls me at two o'clock in the morning or someone calls me now, 30 years later and said, coach, I need some advice here. Mm -hmm. Those are the, the whys that, that we taught at a young age. So I think that's how we incorporated our boys involved in our lives so much um, because we wanted that way. And so we we felt that was important. And with that said, I think that success breeds success. I think that in any corporate world or any parenting role, when you see someone do something and it's pretty, you know, it worked out pretty well. I saw Steve Longfellow and Homer Drew impact my life. And so I think what has happened is many of the guys that played for me had a lot of success, and so they said, "You know what, I think I want to do this." And so um in the in the state of Indiana, there's a lot of basketball, and' there's, it's high level, it's a lot of pressure, but it's also the the head coach is really the leader of the community. He has a lot of voice impact. Mm. The average lifespan of a coach in Indiana is two point seven years before they mm. get fired. It's high-profile. It's pressure. But with that, they have a lot of influence. And so uh, I've been very fortunate that a lot of those guys that have had success um, have continued that in their own careers. And uh, many of them have chosen to be coaches. So um, it's really neat to go to a game now. I've been to tournaments where all four teams are my former players going to <laughs> Or go to a state tournament. Did, and You don't did know you, where. To did set. you cheer
1: for the guy who listened to you the most in practice, or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scored the no, most yeah. points? No,
0: no, most points. Yeah, plus, most plus, points for plus, sure. minus. It is so funny, though. There are many times I've said, "Dead set," right in the middle. Oh, you got to. You have to because you know the wives, the families, and the uh, the schools all know. You know, <laughs> so, uh, Mike. I'm going to
1: jump in here. Of those, you uh, tell the number. How many you think are doing it, and can can you? I, then I need you to define it because I want the audience to see this. Hmm. How many of those uh, do you have, and how many are head high school coaches?
0: Wow, I think I think we're over in the forty-something range. How many are the head coaches now? You'd have to realize, Pete, that I've been I did it for so long. Some of those guys have retired from coaching <laughs> that have been head coaches. I've won state championships and I've moved on to administration or out of it, but Mm. uh, there are a lot, but just say there are a lot of guys. that. Okay. Then I want you to
1: hear If you're a a head coach high school, I want the audience to hear this. That means if you have 30 guys out there doing it, that's 450 kids because there's 15 per team. If they're the head varsity coach, he's also impacting the JV and the freshman team. So you're talking about 450 times three. So I think that's 1350, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm winging it on the math right there. There are 1,350 kids being daily influenced by coaches that Mike Lightfoot influenced. And that was not why he started this. Well, that's a complete fresh 1350 every four years. Yeah. And that's transient. Right. Really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it's a new uh, of that 1450, 1450. We don't know how many graduate and move in. But there's a consistent influence, hmm. and that is building the last. That is me- that's why you're on, Mike, because we were talking about, that was the illustration I used. Because when you mentor and disciple, you ought to impact one who's going to impact another. And yes. that is what's going on. And of all the things you've ever done, and I can't even comprehend all you've done, and I don't think you, you know, I know who you are and you don't want, but this is the biggest thing you've ever done is you influenced one guy Who's now influence another, and there are there's a lot of those guys out there, Mike, and that's a well, big a coaching
0: tree. I think that uh, I've been blessed with uh, James Naismith started the game of basketball. The only game was ever invented for ministry. Yep. Um, he had uh, someone that, that uh, he mentored and and did a lot to, with, and his name is uh, John Wooden. John Wooden uh, lived in Indiana, went to Purdue, coached here in South Bend. Uh, had a major impact on our community, but Wooden also had an impact on a guy named Dale Brown. Dale Brown then had an impact on on Homer Drew. Uh, Homer Drew had an impact on me. Mm. And so then that coaching tree now is just passed down uh, for my former players that are out there. So um, I always tell them they're the great grandkids of uh, James Naismith. And, and that's uh, a
2: great point because this story isn't just about you. Yeah. But I no, think the, no.
0: the, the main
2: thing here, uh, and that's not, not a compliment, but just a, this incredible realization of, of discipleship that's been passed down. And I think a, as we wrap up here, that's what I, I want to hit because I think, um, it's a little bit of a, a trolling question, but I think you understand the heart behind this. Um, you're just a basketball coach, right? Why does that matter? So tell me, why does it matter that you were their coaches? Why, and I think the more important question than that is, that like, is, because the way that you approach coaching, and you referenced this a couple of times, was really important, right? Because there's a lot right. of guys who are just basketball coaches and they accomplish nothing. But yeah. it's the way that you approach coaching. So why does it matter to be someone's coach?
0: Well, I think one of the things that I had asked myself, and I think that evolved from time to time, mm. what is it? Feel like to be coached by me? Um, how does that feel? What is that like? Any of my players would definitely say, "Wow, it was really hard," because <laughs> he was very, very, very demanding. And I look mm. back on that, and and I I see these guys coaching. And I see that they are doing it the same way: a character building, and investing in lives, and trying to change or break bad habits in people's lives.
2: Ooh. Yes.
0: So I think that when I look at my life and things that we try to do, it was just trying to uh, make people, grow people, allow people to dream dreams that they didn't think was possible and achieve things that they didn't even think were, were even in their, in their mindset. I think one of the things that a coach does is push people to the levels where, um, they're going to accomplish greater things than they even thought they could. Ooh, and if yeah. you behind a coach that does that, then 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 you can look back and say, you know what, when I said I recruited kids and how good will you be, coach? I said, I'll let you know about 15 years. Because mm. that's when you'll see uh, your your thumbprint on our lives.
1: Yeah. Building to last is hard. Yeah. That's what, uh, building to last is not for the faint of heart. Building to last takes courage, and it's in all areas of life. It's like Dobson's book: parenting isn't for cowards. And if you want those things to last, yeah, that's good. It's hard.
2: Been an absolute pleasure, Coach Lightfoot. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you. I hope that uh, if someone watches this, they won't fall asleep too soon. They'll be able to. (laughs) I doubt it. I really really doubt it.